Hello and welcome to another episode of the Championship Amateur Podcast as we prepare to go into game week nine of the Fantasy Championship Manager game. And the main things I wanted to talk about in this episode is sort of the focus on individual matchups within matches within the game, um, player positions and some thoughts on which positions might excel against which or, which opposing formations. Uh, my main reason for looking into this is some comments from Luke um, in various places, the main game streams, some individual chats we've had, um, some messages he's left within various chat groups we're in together, um, relating to teams playing wing-backs um, that give up the wide areas against teams that play more of a 4-4-2, where they've obviously got two wide players direct in direct opposition against that wing-back. Um, it was interesting because I think game week seven was the week that really shed a light on this for me, and, and this is where the following matches is, took place. So in game week seven, we had Sunderland 2, Tottenham 2, we had Man City 1, Ipswich 3, and Derby 1, Man United 4. Um, and obviously, there's some mixed results there. So the team with the wing-back has won one, lost one, and drawn one, so it's not that. But there's, there's quite a big similarity across these three fixtures in this game week. Um, and it's to do with to do with the left-wingers of the teams playing the 4-4-2. So if we look at Sunderland-Tottenham first, Sunderland attacked pretty well in this fixture, nine, sh- um, nine shots on target from 12. And Julio Arca in that game scored two. He got an average rating of 10 and he got man of the match um, say in that game against Tottenham. So he was playing left midfield against Darren Ander and playing wing-back. Interesting on the other wing as well in that game, Gary Till, who was playing right side for Sunderland, ended up with six shots in that game, three on target. So the wing, the Sunderland 4-4-2, the wingers did very well against Tottenham wing-backs. Moving on to Man City-Ipswich, say Man City were playing the 4-4-2 at home and they lost 3-1. But um, they had 16 shots, Man City, of which eight were on target. Danny Tiato playing left side, scored one. He got a nine average rating and man of the match. Um, Ipswich was slightly different in this game. They weren't playing wing-backs. They were playing a flat-back five with the the full-backs running up. But uh, no wingers, again, is the, is the main thing for Ipswich. Only one player occupying their wide areas. Um, interesting in that game was um, Paolo Wonchop, who did quite well for Man City attacking. Well, he had six shots and five on target. Then the third game was Derby Manchester United, um, where Ryan Giggs playing left side for Manchester United against a Derby wing back, scored two um, and got a nine average rating. Luke Chadwick was also Man United's man of the match in that game. He got a 10 average rating playing on the opposite side down the right. Um, so from these three fixtures, it's clear that the, say the left wingers especially did very well, but there was also some good performances from the right wingers um, in teams playing sort of two players down each wing against the wing back or against one player down each wing. So I think it's fair that the wide players largely had the big impact on the game for the teams that were playing the, the 4-4-2. And I say it was the left wingers that were mainly in the points. Um, so the the opposing team, just to recap, in those games were Tottenham, Ipswich, and Derby. And I can tell you now that there is one team in our sim that have these three teams next and also play four four two. So the next three games for Watford are the team I'm talking about. We've got Tottenham at home next, then Derby away, then Ipswich at home, and we all know who Watford's left midfielder is. Um, so. Milan Petkoff, um, 7 million left midfielder, on set pieces for Watford. Um, based on what I've just explained to you from what happened in game week 7, there's a reasonable chance you'll get some points in these three games because he will be playing left midfield against three wing-backs. 
Um, probably fairly obvious to point out that Petkoff doesn't have identical attributes to the wingers that I mentioned earlier. But he's, he, I suppose his numbers aren't dissimilar in the key areas, um, especially with Tiato. So Petkoff does have 20 acceleration. Um, hasn't quite got the dribbling or the flair of the likes of Arca and Giggs. But his numbers are pretty good. I think he's dribbling like 16, 17. His flair is like 12, 30. He's saying he's not particularly dissimilar to Tiato, apart from he's got more acceleration. So it, it, it really shouldn't sort of limit what Petkoff can do in those games. He's got good enough numbers in the main sort of wide player attributes to, to have an impact. So I think more important than what Petkoff's numbers are are that um, the three opposing teams should line up tactically the same against Watford as they did in the fixtures they had in game week seven. So this we'll start with Tottenham in game week eight. Tottenham um, will play attacking, even though they're away. Um, attacking with short passing is what they play away. That's what they played against Sunderland. And they'll play the same against um, Watford this week. I think the sim data people have already shown suggests this should be a goal fest with Watford also attacking. Um, interestingly as well, Watford's home formation is exactly the same to Sunderland. So we've got a 2-2 in Sunderland Tottenham, I would expect um, this game to play out in a similar fashion. Lots of shots for both teams. I think two always among the most common results in my sim data. So I wouldn't be surprised if this was two all, three all, four three to someone. I think I think someone shared on the, on the Discord chat there was even a six four in this game. So um, lots of goals, and I I'd imagine Petkoff would be in the hunt for some points. Then Watford go on to play Derby away. Um, Derby will play attacking and mixed passing um, at home. That's what they also played against Manchester United. So Derby will set up the same uh, hosting Watford as they did when hosting Man United. I so say Watford will be a bit different because Man United would, would have played attacking direct when they played away to Derby. Watford will be on normal mix. So it may not pan out exactly the same, but there should still be some scope for some some Watford points with Petkoff playing against probably Nicholson um, down that side. And then... Third game in the streak is Watford against Ipswich. And Ipswich will play sort of normal mentality and mixed passing like they did away to Manchester City. They'll do that again again against Watford. So, and then obviously in that game, we'll be up against the right wing back, um, Petkoff. I'm not sure if Clapham's suspension will run till then or whether Tariko will probably be, um, what side Tariko will be playing and it could be Jermaine Wright. But either way, you, so you're getting Watford with a double up against that wing back. Um, also, I suppose you look at say we look at Petkoff. He's on set pieces. He's got 16 for long shots, so he's got the opportunity of some of those going in. Um, so I think there's lots of avenues that Petkoff will get some points across these next three fixtures, and that's all because of the matchup of what he's going against the three wingbacks. I think it's worth pointing out as well so far that Watford haven't really had that luxury yet of playing against a team setting up with one player in the wide areas. Um, I think we could go back to game week seven. That's the only real example of that. Watford in that week were away to Everton, who line up with a fairly bog-standard wing-back formation, the, the sort of th- three centre-backs, the two wing-backs, three flat central midfielders and two up front. Um, Watford did OK in that week. They had 13 shots, five on target, and again, it was a two-all game. So I say it's, it's another strengthening of the case, really, that Watford attackers, and especially their wide players, should go well. So yeah, just going back over this again from a matchup point of view, Watford's sort of wide players should have their best fixtures of the season across this next three. There'll be an, I don't think there's another run like this where they'll play 
in succession a team that play wing backs against their four four two. Um and I say it's an advantage they haven't really had the chance to profit from yet. They've played against a lot of teams also set up similarly to them. Um so it's a great chance for Petkoff to get points. Maybe a chance for Joe Tessum if he carries on playing down the right as well as a, as a massive differential. Um, and I say, I think probably also a good chance for their strikers. So anyone looking at cheaper strikers for the next few fixtures, especially those who need to move off of one shot because of his red card, then I think a Watford striker could do well for the same reasons as Petkoff because the fixtures suit their attacking players. I think Andy highlighted on the main stream or Luke highlighted on Andy's behalf that Tommy Smith would be his sort of differential player this week. And I would agree with that. I do think Smith is marginally ahead of Helgerson, although he's a little bit more expensive. I think I'd rather have Smith than Helgerson um, if I were to choose between those two Watford strikers. Um, it's probably worth pointing out, though, that the main reason for that isn't because of the last game. So I'm not a believer that form has any bearing on this game. So I'm not picking Smith because... He had a more eye-catching performance in that loss to Charlton in the last game week because Smith had 10 shots and five on target, which was was more than Helgerson. I, th- I think it's more because Smith plays on the left of Watford's two strikers. So if you look at the three fixtures coming up again, if he's on the left, he's going to be playing against the right centre-back in the back three. That probably means Gary Doherty for, um, in the Tottenham game. It'll also be against a Bramble or a Gardso or someone like that in the Ipswich game. And he avoids Bunchacevic and Horidison, which is where Helgerson will be up against. So I think this is where individual matchups come in again and player positions, what I was talking about at the start. I think it's quite critical to look at the direct matchup between striker and defender, left striker against right defender and vice versa. And I think that suits um, that suits Smithmore and Helgerson across these next three games. In general, I think that's quite a good mindset to get into now on our game. And it was a question that I asked the guys on the recent Season Keepers pod. Um, we're a clean wipeout FPL and FPL drug. They um, On the Season Keepers, they chat some chat men every week and they answer questions from the community. And so I, I pose that question to them. The pod, all of the pods from them are worth some interaction and listen if you want some questions answered. Also, I'd say you can feel free to message me with any questions any way you know how to. And I'll either reply directly or if it's a, a bigger subject area, I may even do a future pod on it. So, yeah, check out those guys and interact with them. Say interact with me if you want any direct questions answered. Um, so the question to them was about learnings from season one till now. And this was definitely my biggest learning to pay closer attention to matchups and positions um, with opposing players. So, for example, if you look at a lot of the premium strikers, Van Nistelrooy, Shearer, Phillips, Henri... They will play on the left side of their respective attacks, while Mark Viduka plays on the right side of the Leeds attack. So this could be significant if a team has got two centre-backs. If there's a weaker one on the left side, Viduka is the only one that's able to profit from that of the premium strikers, because all the others, or, or Rebroff, to be fair, if you play him, Tottenham are a bit weird because they only obviously play the one up front and the attacking mid sort of run into the second striker position. I don't to do some future research and look how that sort of pans out, whether that left-sided centre-back, uh, sorry, the right-sided centre-back, how they deal with those sort of attacking midfielders running in rather than a direct opponent. I haven't looked into that, but that's something to consider. But yes, yeah, is a bit different to the other premiums based on the side he plays in. So just something to bear in mind there. Also worth looking at with centre-backs as well. For example, Gareth Southgate, he's played as a right and a left centre-back for Middlesbrough in their back four. Depends on who his centre-back partner is. 
Um, others tend to stick to exactly the same position for every game, so it's worth noting where that happens. Um, also, it's worth noting that teams that play with a back three, um, you don't really want the person who plays in the middle of the back three. You want the two outside spots. Um, they're better for bonus um, because they directly mark an opponent. So as a result of that, they compete for more headers, win more tackles. The the central centre-back doesn't do as much of that. So you don't ideally want someone to play central in a back three. If you look at Leeds, I think there's a bit of rotation there. I think it seems like Rio Ferdinand always plays on the left. But then Woodgate and Redderby can alternate between right and central. So those two are a bit awkward. Same with Bolton. I think Colin Hendry and DeVos can switch. DeVos mainly plays on the right, Hendry in the middle, but they do switch a little bit. Cooper always plays left. So just for that reason alone, I think I'd... Um, would rather have Cooper of those three Bolton centre back just because you can guarantee that he's going to be on one of the outside spots. So these these are small subtle things really, but they're worth considering, knowing where your defender plays exactly, knowing who they're going to be up against. So just talking about what I've just talked about there with Cooper, who plays the left side, he's obviously going to be in direct competition competition with a right striker more often as well, which means he avoids all of those premium ones that I've spoken about. Maybe that's uh, it's an interesting um, topic to touch on as well because. If, if you're a right centre-back playing against the premium left striker, um, is that a good thing? They'll probably be busier, but they're probably less likely as well to win their respective battles. So I'll let you know, I'll let you just sort of decide whether you think that's a, a positive or a negative to have more to do, but be struggling more to do it, or less to do, um, but do it well. So just something to consider there. Um, just because I'm talking about Teams with wingers on this pod playing against teams with wing-backs. Probably just also worth pointing out that Chelsea are a good team to target in the coming weeks. They obviously host Millwall this week, who Sim Data suggests are the worst away defence in the league. Um, in my 10 Sims, um, Millwall only scored one goal. So um, Chelsea clean sheet looks good. Obviously their full-back should be very good as well. Babiaro could be a great differential this week because he'll be playing down that left side. And he and Zenden can get like a two-on-one overload against the Millwall right-sided player. So, um, and then following on from Millwall for Chelsea, they've got Ipswich away and then Tottenham at home. Again, two other teams that play wing-backs. So for Chelsea, with their 4-4-2. Easy home game this week against Millwall and two teams with wing-backs. So Babiaro, Zenden, Carboni, all serious contenders for points over this run of games. For those that like to target fixtures. Also, my sim data this week suggests that Good Johnson's probably the best captain to own if you're prepared to go there. Um, so yeah, just to finish, for those who want to take their understanding of the game to the next level, I think looking at direct matchups is a good thing to look at for planning future transfers. And say so I don't, I think that spans quite a few areas as well. It could be formations, it could be identifying when a team plays defensive and so they barely attack. So not a good week to have their attacking assets. Leeds, for example, this week. Um, look for games where there's a style clash, such as a team playing offside trap versus a team playing direct. That Offside track tends to work better against direct teams. Um, or it could be a player with strong attributes in one area being in direct opposition with someone who has weak attributes in the same area. So that should be a big mismatch there if someone's really dominant in the area against someone who's not very dominant, for example. It could be a good chance for strong bonus points, if nothing else. Um, I, do, I do kind of think in this game that many managers do end up bringing in similar players in the end. But if you can manage to sort of bring your transfers slightly earlier than everyone else, you might be able to do it without the need for as many hits. I think 
if you can save the odd minus four along the way um, by being a bit more organised with your transfers, that's obviously four points you'll save across numerous weeks and that will help you with your steady climb up the ranks. Me personally, I've had six green arrows in a row now and I think I've only taken one hit in that spell because I've been trying to plan transfers with fixtures in mind. And I think this has been a significant part of it to look at upcoming matches, work out where there's some nice fixtures for certain teams, looking at tactical matchups and formations and stuff and then getting those players in with a bit of planning so you're not rushing to get them all in at once. I think there'll be quite a few this week taking minus eights, minus twelves, for example, and I've, hopefully I'm going to have to take a minus four to get three new players in for a, for a spell of fixtures. So that's it for this week's guys. Um, good luck in game week nine. Hopefully this stuff's quite useful. It gets you thinking ahead of some interesting fixtures that are coming up in the next few game weeks. Cheers all.